4. We've been working our way through Daniel. I'm not going to read the whole chapter. I'm going to read Daniel chapter 4, verses 1 through 19, and I'm going to read then the last verse. But Daniel chapter 4, 1 through 19, says this. This is about 20-some years or so after Daniel chapter 3, which we looked at last week with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. It's the last accounts of Nebuchadnezzar in Scripture. King Nebuchadnezzar, to all peoples, nations, and language that dwell in all the earth, peace be multiplied to you. It has seemed good to me to show the signs and wonders that the Most High God has done for me. How great are his signs, how mighty his wonders, his kingdom is an everlasting kingdom, and his dominion endures from generation to generation. I, Nebuchadnezzar, was at ease in my house and prospering in my palace. I saw a dream that made me afraid. As I lay in bed, the fancies and the visions of my head alarmed me. So I made a decree that all the wise men of Babylon should be brought before me, that they might make known to me the interpretation of the dream. Then the magicians, the enchanters, the Chaldeans, and the astrologers came in, and I told them the dream, but they could not make known to me its interpretation. At last, Daniel came in before me. He who was named Belshazzar after the name of my God, and in whom is the spirit of the holy gods. And I told him the dream, saying, O Belshazzar, chief of the magicians, because I know that the spirit of the holy gods is in you, and that no mystery is too difficult for you, Tell me the visions of my dream that I saw and in their interpretation. The visions of my head as I lay in bed were these. I saw and behold a tree in the midst of the earth, and its height was great. The tree grew and became strong, and its top reached to heaven. And it was visible to the end of the whole earth. Its leaves were beautiful and its fruit abundant, and in it was food for all. The beasts of the field found shade under it, and the birds of the heaven lived in its branches, and all flesh was fed from it. I saw in the visions of my head as I lay in bed, and behold, a watcher, a holy one, came down from heaven. He proclaimed aloud and said thus, Chop down the tree and lop off its branches, strip off its leaves and scatter its fruit. Let the beast flee from under it and the birds from its branches. But leave the stump of its roots in the earth, bound with a band of iron and bronze. Amid the tender grass of the field, let him be wet with the dew of heaven. Let his portion be with the beast and the grass of the earth. Let his mind be changed from a man's, and let a beast's mind be given to him. And let seven periods of time pass over him. The sentence is by decree of the watchers, the decision by the word of the holy ones, to the end that the living may know that the most high rules the kingdom of men, and gives it to whom he will, and sets over it the lowliest of men. This dream I, King Nebuchadnezzar, saw. And you, O Belshazzar, tell me the interpretation, because all the wise men of my kingdom are not able to make known to me the interpretation. But you are able, for the spirit of the holy gods is in you. Then Daniel, whose name was Belshazzar, was dismayed for a while, and his thoughts alarmed him. The king answered and said, Belshazzar, let not the dream or the interpretation alarm you. Belshazzar answered and said, My Lord, may the dream be for those who hate you and its interpretation for the enemies. And then verse 37, 
Now I, Nebuchadnezzar, praise and extol and honor the King of heaven, for all his works are right and his ways are just, and those who walk in pride he is able to humble. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, thanks for, again, your word. Lord, just thanks for the truth of it, the help of it. Lord, thanks, Holy Spirit, for your goodness to us. Thanks for your grace to us as a church. Lord, I pray that you would just this morning come and teach us and encourage us from the testimony of Nebuchadnezzar. Lord, I pray that you would just give strength and grace to those who are struggling emotionally, physically, financially. God, I pray just give them a sense of your help and your hope this morning. Lord, I pray you would just remove every distraction from our thoughts and minds and that we would just see you and that you would teach us. And I pray that the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts would be acceptable to you. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Originally, when we started to go through Daniel about, um, well, since maybe a month ago, I originally was just going to speak on Daniel chapter 1. It was, uh, it was timely for me at the moment, and, I, and, and then as I started looking at Daniel chapter 1, I thought, let's just spend some time going through Daniel. And so what we've been doing is working our way kind of chapter by chapter through the book of Daniel. Um, and the whole point of Daniel is how to live. This was written to people who were in exile. They wrote this book, the people of Israel, original hearers. It was written to them to see how to live as the people of God in troubling times and to see where the, tro- where the troubling times and times are taking us. And so Daniel wrote this so people who were in exile and they looked like God and his power was not great and Babylon's power was great. Daniel wrote this to say, hey, here's how to live as the people of God. And the, the, the God is one who he does take care of his people. He, he, he gave favor to Daniel. He does deliver. God is able. God is able. It's, it's to exiles, to people, the people of God, wondering how do you live in troubling times? And how do you continue in those troubling times and see that God is able? And we can make that really practical for us and our, ask our same questions. How do we live as Christians? How do we live as the people of God in troubling times? And even more personally, for yourself, you can ask, how do you live in troubling times when you get the phone call, like Bell and Dell and Betty did this week, that said the blood test didn't come back okay? That it is the worst case scenario that you were not wanting to hear. Friday afternoon, about five Friday evening, I got a phone call, and it was Dell's ex-marine gravelly voice, Pastor Paul, I got a problem. And he told me about Betty having to go up to the hospital. Where does your confidence come when your kingdom of your little world gets rocked? Daniel chapter 4 is an amazing chapter. of It's the testimony of King Nebuchadnezzar where his kingdom got rocked and his response to that. And the point of it is to see that there is ultimately one kingdom that's going to last and one kingdom that reigns and it's God's kingdom and it's repeated over and over again uh, that that the, the most high rules the kingdoms of men. 
That the Most High God rules the kingdom of men. It's said in verse 2, it's said in verse 17, it's said in verse 24, verse 25, verse 32, and then there's 34. And back then when they wrote that, when they repeated things, it was like highlighting it. This is what we want you to know, that, that, that the Most High rules, that he sets the kingdoms up. God rules. And when our kingdoms can get rocked, what, what do we do with them? It's an absolutely compelling testimony of King Nebuchadnezzar. So we're just going to walk our way through it. And I just want us to notice first what he says. This is King Nebuchadnezzar to all peoples, nations, and languages that dwell in all the earth. I mean, I just want you to notice this is a, this is one of, a, a, if it was a modern day times, this was a very important tweet that he was putting out there. I mean, he, he was saying this, he, he put this out there as a little preview to his testimony. He says, to all peoples, all nations, all languages. So this was a royal letter that he had written that Daniel had taken, seen, and thought right, and God allowed him to put it in his letter to the exiles so they, they could see who God is and what God is doing. Nebuchadnezzar was called Nebuchadnezzar the Great. He was the ultimate ruler of the world that time. I mean, from, from the bottom of Egypt all the way up, from the Mediterranean Sea all the way over, Nebuchadnezzar had ruled and reigned and conquered and built. He was the man, and he had this unbelievable platform that when he wanted to say something, he could say it in such a way that all the peoples and all the worlds and all the languages, I want you to hear it. If we were to make that kind of request, nobody would care. But Nebuchadnezzar, he had the platform to do it, and he, and he announces this great thing. This is what I want to, to tell you, and it was, a, it was a royal letter, a royal written letter testimony. That's why parts of it are in third person at times. And maybe Daniel, who was his chief uh, chief helper in all these situations maybe daniel even helped write it we understand that today just when, when presidents they don't they, they give their speeches but somebody helps write it they agree with it this is probably what happened it was developed in such a way to give this the testimony of nebuchadnezzar and it was to share and the reason why he wanted to write it and the reason why he wanted the people to hear it as he wanted to describe that the Most High God and what he had done for him, how great are his signs, how mighty his wonders, his kingdom is an everlasting kingdom, and his dominion endures from generation to generation. He wanted to broadcast this. This is an amazing chapter of the Bible that the, this great leader of the world wanted to let everybody in the world know that the Most High God is the ultimate God. And His kingdom is the one that will endure forever. This is the testimony of somebody who years before this had no interest in this God. And He wants to share it with everyone. Which is why it is for us, it's good to share 
how God has worked in our lives. It's, it's good to share the testimonies of what, what God has done for you and how he's led in your life. Yesterday, I had a, a great opportunity to be over in an event, a celebration of hope, of just of sharing, of hearing three people share how God has worked through unbelievable stories and situations in their life and where God has led them. It was unbelievably encouraging to hear the stories, not just all the, the, the fluffy, nice stuff, but the, the hard, dark stuff, and then where God has has led them. This is what Nebuchadnezzar is doing. He's sharing his testimony. This is why it's good to do this and hear this with other Christians. John Flavel said this. He said, it is the duty of the saints, especially in the times of straits or difficulties, to reflect upon the performances of providence for them in all the states and through all the stages in their lives. It's good for us to remember how God worked in our lives, and it's very good for us then to tell that to other people, not just all the great successes, but also say, hey, this is, this is when I really failed, this is where I was really struggling, and this is where God helped and led me. This, this, is, this is good. This is what Nebuchadnezzar is doing. He's announcing his testimony, and then he has, and part of his testimony is, he goes, I, Nebuchadnezzar, was at ease in my house and prospering in my palace, and he had this terrifying dream. I mean, he was, at this point in his life, he had succeeded in building Babylon. He is called Nebuchadnezzar the Great. He was a tyrant, but he was also unbelievably successful. He had conquered nations. He had built massive walls, massive architecture, and it was flourishing. And he says, I was, in, I was at my ease. I, just, I was just living my kingdom life, and it was flourishing. It was growing. It was just, it was, it was wonderful. And then I had a dream. And, and God, God, no matter how powerful somebody is, God can reach them wherever they are. He, he, was, had, he had the greatest places of comfort that anybody could have, and yet he couldn't sleep. He had this dream that just stirred him. It, 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 it kept him awake. And again, he called all his wise people like he did years ago. And, and these guys either saw the dream and understood it but were too afraid to tell him, or they just had no talent whatsoever. And why are you still keeping these guys uh, on your rolls? They, they, they failed you, but they, they got all, their, all the wise guys together. He told them the dream. They, they couldn't do it. And finally, in walked Daniel again. Maybe he came to Daniel last. Maybe Daniel wasn't in the room right away. He let the other guys try it. And then Daniel walks in. He was the chief interpreter of dreams. And Belshazzar and, and, and Nebuchadnezzar knew it. And at this time, he was still following his God. So he emphasizes this was, he was Belshazzar, named after my God. And we have seen that Nebuchadnezzar, this great leader, he had, he had seen what had happened in Sh with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. He had seen the favor that God had with Daniel. And every time he denounced these, these things, that this, this, they're God's good. They're, they're God's good. He, he had a conviction about the true God. But it, there was no conversion. He, he, he thought God was admirable, but he didn't fully get it. But he respected Daniel, and he had this big dream. And the dream is, he saw this giant tree, and it was flourishing. And it was covering the entire earth, feeding all the animals. Everything was going well. And then an angel came and says, chop the tree down. 
and it gets chopped down. And what probably stirred Nebuchadnezzar while he was having this dream, probably over and over again, was verse 15. But leave the stump of its root in the earth, bound with a band of iron and bronze, amid the tender grass of the field. Let him be wet with the dew of heaven. Let his portion be with the beast. It, it changes from a tree all of a sudden to a person. It says, chop the tree down and let him. And, and then all of a sudden it's talking about a person. And Nebuchadnezzar probably was not a dumb guy. He probably figured out that this has something to do with me and getting chopped down, that this isn't, this isn't good. This was what he had spent his life trying to build his kingdom. He was greatly concerned. And, and Daniel says, then Daniel, here's the dream. And Daniel was dismayed for a while. Because the dream was about Nebuchadnezzar. And if we would have kept reading, he would have said, Nebuchadnezzar, this dream is about you. Your kingdom is great and powerful. You're the most powerful person in the, in the world right now. You're going to get chopped down. You are going to lose your kingdom and you're going to become like a wild animal for a season. And he's, if you don't turn... And change. But notice it says in verse 19 Then Daniel, whose name was Belshazzar, was dismayed for a while, and his thoughts alarmed him. I mean, Daniel heard the dream. He understood the interpretation, knew it was about Nebuchadnezzar. I mean, this is the guy that took him from his family when he was a teenager. This was the guy that probably had numerous family members of his killed, friends' family members killed. He'd watched nations be destroyed by Nebuchadnezzar. He was a tyrant. And he'd had Daniel work in his kingdom and, and, and live in there. And when Daniel hears that Nebuchadnezzar is going to get cut down and humbled, Daniel's response to that is, finally, Yes, give it to him. Let's get him now. That's not Daniel's response at all. When, when Daniel hears that about Nebuchadnezzar, he says, My Lord, may the dream be for those who hate you and its interpretation for your, for, for your enemies. The tree you saw which grew and became strong so that its top reached to heaven and it was visible to the ends of the earth whose leaves were beautiful and its fruit abundant. It is you, O king, who have grown and become strong. Your greatness has reached the heavens and your dominion to the ends of the earth. But it's going to get chopped down. But Daniel's response to Nebuchadnezzar, who, who was not, Let's, I'm glad God's going to get him. Daniel's response was, he, he was afraid to say it. He had compassion and concern. What about you with the person who needs to know Jesus Christ and is a great antagonist to you, maybe at work or a family member or some situation, and when you hear something bad might happen to them, is your response, good, let's get them now? That wasn't the response of Daniel. Daniel's response was, to take very seriously what God said, so much that it, that it scared him and it perplexed him. It just, he was dismayed by it. And Nebuchadnezzar, who didn't really care 
still about God. He, he can care less. Just tell me the dream, he says. But Daniel says to Nebuchadnezzar, okay, I'll, I'll tell you the dream. He, he, he gave him the truth. And then he had great compassion while he did it. He spoke the truth out of great concern, out of great compassion. And he tells him what's going to happen. He says in verse 25, that you shall be driven among men and your dwelling shall be with the beasts of the field. You shall be made to eat grass like an ox and you shall be wet with the dew of heaven and seven periods of time shall pass over you till you know, till you know that the Most High rules the kingdom of men and gave it, gives it to whom he will. And it was commanded to leave the stump of the roots of the tree. Your kingdom shall be confirmed for you from the time that you know that the heavens rules. Then verse 27, Daniel says, Therefore, O king, let my counsel be acceptable to you. Break off your sins by practicing righteousness and your iniquities by showing mercy to the oppressed that there may perhaps be a lengthening of your prosperity. Daniel did not back away from sharing the truth with Nebuchadnezzar. He didn't sugarcoat it. He said, here's what's going to happen. If you don't follow and turn and, and, and see who the all true God is, you're going to be cut down. You're going to be judged. You're going to stand account before this God. You need to recognize who the true God is. And so do you. The, the, the truth of us is, if we don't recognize who God is, the truth is we will be cut down. We will stand and give account for our lives before God. We need to recognize who the true king is, Jesus Christ, and bow down to him and not ourselves. And we need to demonstrate that, though, with care for people. This is what Daniel did. But, but, but this was, he, he shares this dream. And then Daniel's response is, O king, let, let my counsel be acceptable to you. I mean, he's talking to the most powerful man in the world. And he's trying to tell him what to do. He says, repent. Break off from the way you've been practicing things. Start treating your, start being the king you are called to be. Care for your people. I mean, this guy was a tyrant. He was successful and powerful and extremely proud. And he was extremely about himself. And Daniel says, repent. D Daniel was hopeful that there could be some repentance. And it's the same for you. We will stand before God and give an account of our lives. And the question is, will we recognize the true king? Do you see Jesus Christ for who he is? And Daniel's pleading with Nebuchadnezzar for repentance. And don't think that you have, well, I can't, it's, it's, it's too bad for me. God can never forgive me. I was up at NIU a number of years ago talking to some the college kids, trying to share the gospel with them, tell them about Jesus Christ, and I'll never forget talking to this kid who had just gotten back from Iraq in the Gulf War. And I started to share the gospel with him Tell him who Jesus was. Tell him what the Bible says. How, 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 and he had grown up in church. And he was listening. And then he looked at me and he said, no. No, God can't forgive me. This, this kid from, I think he was from Newark in the middle of the cornfields, had come to this conclusion. Now, dead honest, God can't forgive me. I did too many things when I was over in Iraq. 
How could God forgive me? The truth is God can forgive you. The truth is God can forgive people. Don't get in such a situation where you're like, oh, this is, oh, God's going to judge me now. I'm just going to keep going my way. It doesn't matter. I've dug such a big hole now. I, I, I might as well just keep digging it. God's never going to care for me. It, it's just, it's too late for me. That's not how Daniel responded to Nebuchadnezzar. His, his response to Nebuchadnezzar was to repent. Turn around. Turn the wheel. Don't keep digging the hole. Go in a different direction. See God for who he is. It's absolutely terrifying. And then he leaves Nebuchadnezzar. And it says in verse 28, and after that, everything that he said would happen, all this came upon King Nebuchadnezzar. At the end of 12 months, he was walking on the roof of the royal palace of Babylon, and the king answered and said, Is not this the great Babylon which I have built by my mighty power as a royal residence and for the glory of my majesty. And while the words were still in the king's mouth, there fell a voice from heaven, O King Nebuchadnezzar, to you it is spoken. The kingdom has departed from you, and you shall be driven from among men, and your dwelling shall be with the beasts of the field, and you shall be made to eat grass like an ox, and seven periods of time shall pass over you, until you know that the Most High rules the kingdom of men, and he gives it to whom he will." Immediately, the word was fulfilled against Nebuchadnezzar. Would you just notice the unbelievable patience of God? He, he, he gave this dream to Nebuchadnezzar. He gave an interpreter to it. Daniel pleads with them. This is what's going to happen. Repent and turn. And Nebuchadnezzar just walks away from it. He says, thanks, Daniel. And for a whole year, he just keeps continuing to live like he always has lived. Twelve months later, the judgment comes. God's patience with people is unbelievable and it's undeserved. And that's why people says in Second Peter, says scoffers will say, see, what, what do you mean that there's going to be a judgment for my sins? What do you want to mean Jesus is coming back? Where is the promise of his coming? I just get up every day, I go to work, I come home, nothing seems to change. And, and they think that it's not true. And that what they're a misunderstanding is the unbelievable, steadfast patience and grace of God who's calling us and calling people, come, come to me, come to me. This is why it says in Romans chapter 2, verses 3 through 4, it's the goodness of God and it's the kindness of God that is meant to lead you to repentance. Don't think that, oh, see, I can just do what I want and it doesn't, nothing ever changes, that, that there won't be a judgment or that you won't be held accountable for sin. We will be. But that goodness and grace of God is meant to, to lead you to repentance to see what we do deserve and to recognize it and turn like God has called him to. Nebuchadnezzar didn't do that. He, he walked out. He saw his hanging gardens one day. He saw the, the massive walls where they would race chariots around. He saw all the, all, he heard the reports of how great things were going and he looked at himself and he said, this is my doing. 
He didn't take into account that it was his dad who had passed down some of this stuff to him so as he can continue his kingdom. Didn't give his dad any credit. He gave no credit to all the workers who slaved and worked and built. Gave no credit to them. He gave no credit even to his own so-called gods. It was all Nebuchadnezzar. I'm the one that did all this. And his pride brought him down. He took all credit for it. This is what destroys us. C.S. Lewis said it is pride, which has been the chief cause of misery in every nation and every family since the beginning of the world. And in Nebuchadnezzar's pride brought him down to this pathetic creature, which psychologists back in the day, they would call it lycanthropy, where people would become like animals. They let his hair grow, his fingernails grow, he started eating grass. There's reports of people doing this. Just think of Howard Hughes and how he ended up his life at the end, secluded, miserable, King George. This was Nebuchadnezzar for a season of time. God took him away and left him in this. And then it says in verse 34, there's this unbelievable turnaround. And at the end of the days, I, Nebuchadnezzar, lifted my eyes to heaven and my reason returned to me. And I blessed the Most High and praised and honored him who lives forever. And he sang about it. For his dominion is an everlasting dominion and his kingdom endures from generation to generation. All the inhabitants of the earth are accounted as nothing and he does according to his will among the hosts of heaven and among the inhabitants of the earth and none can stay his hand or say to him, what have you done? Where did the amazing turnaround come? Where did this guy who had everything lose everything because of his pride and rebellion, all of a sudden it just, it, it changed. The seasons, that season of time came to an end. It says, at the end of the days, I lifted my eyes to heaven. And sanity came back to him when he had a realistic appraisal of himself. He saw himself for what he was. And all his life, Nebuchadnezzar had been looking at the wrong tree. He had just been looking at himself, and he'd watched his success grow, and he'd watched himself get greater, and he thought more and more about himself, and it was all about the tree of Nebuchadnezzar. And in the Bible, the tree is mentioned often all through Scripture. There was a tree of life in the beginning, and then people rebelled against what God told them to do, and they moved them out. And then here in Daniel, there's this tree growing up in Babylon, which is this tree of self that's not going to help anybody. But there is a tree that will help us. And that Jesus came for us, and he went to the cross on the tree. And John 3, 14 says, And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. Nebuchadnezzar finally looked at the right tree. He looked at the Almighty God and said, you are the one that I need. And his reason came back to him, and he blessed and praised the most holy God, the King of kings. And we know 
that the ultimate king is Jesus Christ. And he sings his graceness and the truth for us. Could you imagine if you're reading this story as an exile for the first time and you're hearing that this, this guy, the guy who took us from and conquered Jerusalem is now worshiping God. You know how calming that would be? What a tremendous encouragement it would be for the exiles. You know what a tremendous encouragement this is for those who are in persecution. If you're in Afghanistan this morning as a Christian and you read this and say, it doesn't look like God's in control. It doesn't look like his kingdom rules. And then you read this and say, no, God, God raises kings up and God sets them down. And God can call to himself the greatest man of his time, and he's done it. And God rules and reigns. It's very calming for us when your kingdom gets rocked to know that God is the one who reigns supreme. And it's calming to us to, to continue and to know that God reigns. And so we are called to live our lives for Christ for the glory of God. So when you go to work tomorrow and you're a teacher and it seems like the kingdom that you're in is not about God at all, it's just it's frustrating to you, God's call to you is just to continue doing that. And if you're in an office, if you're in construction, wherever you're at, it, God's call to us is God's kingdom rules over this. Even though it doesn't look like any good progress is being made, we are called to continue and to glorify God in that. And then we are called to come. And maybe you have never come to Christ, the King. This is what Nebuchadnezzar did. It's calming to us for Christians, but the story of Nebuchadnezzar's testimony is that he wanted people to come, come to the King, come to Christ. And the way you would come to Christ is the way Nebuchadnezzar did. You could put your own name in the bottom of verse 37, and say, this, this is what I want. I, I realize that my kingdom of life is not working. Jesus has come and rescue, can rescue me from my sin. He is the true king of kings. I can give my life over to him. And we can say with Nebuchadnezzar, now I praise and extol and honor the king of heaven, Jesus Christ the Lord, for all his works are right and his ways are just, and those who walk in pride he is able to humble and we can trust Christ. Nebuchadnezzar learned that the last thing we know of King Nebuchadnezzar is him praising God. Where, where's King Nebuchadnezzar now? We, we, I don't know. But what I do know is where you are right now. And the question for you is, who are you trusting? What king are you trusting with your life? What, what kingdom are you looking at? Are you trusting in Christ and his kingdom, or are you trusting in the kingdom of yourself? And the call for all of us is to trust Christ. I talked to Betty on the phone Saturday morning from the hospital and prayed with her and read some scripture with her. And the last thing she said to me before she got off the phone, she goes, well, Paul, I'm, I'm, I'm trusting God. Now is the time to trust him. If ever there was a time, the time is now. And the truth for all of us is not to worry about Nebuchadnezzar, but to worry and wonder about ourselves. Are you trusting Christ today? Are you trusting in Christ alone? Now is the time to trust him. If there ever was a time, the time is now.